Welcome back to Bible Love. We are continuing our journey through the Psalms. I'm thankful for Mary Balfour and for Seth for um, handling things last week when I was otherwise occupied. Um, it's good to know. Part of this is right. Like I, my mentor, Reverend Beth Thane, um, she talks about Sabbath as a reminder that the world can exist without us. Mm-hmm. And so not that I was having, I actually don't remember what I was doing last Monday. Um, <laughs> I think I had kid stuff going on. That was a long right. time ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's Way annual, out of your head now. <laughs> annual meeting and diocesan council season. Yeah, and so like, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a reminder that this podcast exists even beyond Mary Balfour and myself, and that it can go on with our dear friends. So whatever, that's an aside. Uh, today we're recording. It's a Wednesday. Um, and today is the conversion of St. Paul, the apostle. And so I thought we would pray that colleague. Yes, a very going. important um, apostle. Absolutely. <laughs> Let us pray. Oh God, by the preaching of your apostle Paul, you have caused the light of the gospel to shine throughout the world. Grant, we pray, that we, having his wonderful conversion and remembrance, may show ourselves thankful to you by following his holy teaching. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, I was telling Alan before we were recording, I was sitting in church on Sunday and, you know, one of my favorite parts of the service is when I'm not speaking and when other people are speaking. Um, and so at Church of the Resurrection and, and I'm sure at many churches, we have an 830 service and a 1030 service. And the 830 service is right one, which is some of that kind of older language. And the 1030 service is right two. And at right one, um, the 830 service, we don't have the choir nor any music. Everything is spoken. And at the 1030 service, more is sung. Um, so I was reflecting about the psalm for that for this past Sunday, which is Psalm 27. And that's what we're going to talk about today about it being spoken at 8.30 and sung at, at 10.30, which has totally different feels to it. Um, and so I just kept thinking about it. Plus, I really enjoyed the psalm, and it was it's more of an uplifting one, um, which you all know I'm a half-classical person. Um, so that was really great. And then also I told Alan I bought this in preparing for this whole semester of the Psalms, I bought this really pretty book, the book of Psalms from the Alabaster company, hoping it would give me like some commentary. But really what it does is it puts all the Psalms with really beautiful pictures. Um, but anyway, if you're looking for just a book of the Psalms, this is a great one. So a little bit about Psalm 27. It is um, considered one of the Psalms of David. Um, which we talk, if you remember with, with, uh, um, Dr. Tony, you know, the Psalms kind of have different people that they are ascribed to, but David is, this is one of those. And I love that it starts out 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? Like right off the bat, who the Lord is, is given to you. Your light and your salvation. And I assume it was probably paired in the lectionary. Maybe you know more, Alan, because the gospel was all about light. Um, and so just this wonderful words of comfort right there off the bat. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, um, I agree. That's probably why it was paired. I love that it opens with that. And then, right, for Episcopalians who notice or, or folks who follow the RCL who notice, we skip from verse 1 to verse 5. Right. Um, because we go from this, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold. Of whom shall I be afraid? Then David goes into a list of the people who he maybe ought to be afraid of. When mm-hmm. evildoers assail me, my adversaries and foes, though an army encamp against me. And so it kind of heightens that. Um, Dr. Tony talked about the parallelism in the Psalms and, and how each individual couplet and a verse sometimes build on each other. Here we have several verses in a row that seem to build. Like, whom shall I fear when evildoers assail me? My adversaries and foes shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. Like it almost builds this. I mean, David's it's like Paul, right? Who can separate us from the love of God? Neither heights nor depths nor anything else in all of creation. It's kind of the same thing. David's saying, of whom should I be afraid? Armies? Evildoers? People who want to attack me? No. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Really beautiful. Like it does that sort of layering stepladder kind of like let's lay out all the things that we possibly could be afraid of. And then remember what that first line is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So we all can like really get into the light. Like we understand that. I told this story in um, my sermon on Sunday about these fishermen in, in Africa who go at night and they go fish these particular kind of fish and um, they glow, right? They're like the light. They're transformed. Like we, we can understand light. Go to the light. Jesus is the light. We get that. But that word salvation can be kind of a hard word, especially sometimes Episcopalians are like salvation, you know. Um, but I'm, I don't know, like the more I deepen my relationship with God, I am so like that word salvation means more to me as my relationship with God grows deeper. Um, what, what do you think about that word salvation? Yeah, um, I think it gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. of the way it's been um, portrayed or uh, attempted to be redefined as get out of hell. Right. Yeah. The, the idea of being saved, right? Like I, I preached this past week about turning points in our lives, right? Talking about the fishermen dropping their nets. And that's the question that you often get. Like the circles that I've run in, in the past is like, when were you saved? Right. And, and so I talked about, Salvation is like an ongoing process of, of whatever. Um, but there, right, even so, like, it's healing, it's wholeness. And then you have to wrestle with 
sometimes it doesn't always look like what we want. Like what is wholeness? There's a conversation in a clergy Facebook group I'm part of um, about the idea of like ultimate salvation, right? In heaven, when we are all made whole, what does that mean for, for folks who have uh, are differently abled, right? Is that the perception that being differently abled is somehow unwhole? And so, oh, like, interesting. You know, like you know, my son is on the autism spectrum, right? When when he is in glory, he's not forward unless he has those quirks, right? Right. So to take those away, maybe some people would think that's healing and wholeness, right? But but what is that? part of salvation mean and this like i think i've gone off on a tangent no but uh, you know I'm talking I was about making... salvation going from like getting into heaven versus salvation being being made whole and, and yeah and i think you can look at that in like different ways like i agree like ford would not be ford without this autism um it's part of who he is and it makes him beautiful and a child of God in every way, shape and form. But then you also think about like Murray, my husband, who has a traumatic brain injury. Like I cannot wait for one day when he's in heaven and he's not falling down all the time and he's whole and healed in that way, you know, or I have a parishioner who um, recently had to have his leg amputated and, you know, that's, that's difficult. And that's, and so I think it, it's all complicated and sort of that mystery of it. And, and that again, I'm, I'm way okay with the mystery of it. I'm way okay with not knowing, but I love the word salvation, looking at it, taking it out of the context of hell, but looking at it in salvation of ease and rest and love. And I know my savior inside and out i'm gonna make mistakes but i know my savior okay alan as we keep going on in psalm 27 so we talked about this a little bit but like they basically sort of all the people i could be afraid of are sort of brought up i want to skip down to um 11 verse 11 you speak in my heart and say seek my face your face, Lord, will I seek. So when I read this, um, I have had many moments in my life where I have felt something in my heart, like God pushing me in my heart to seek God's face in some way, shape, or form. And I'm sure that we've all had those experiences, right? Um, the God bumps, uh, feeling the Holy Spirit in some way, shape, or form, feeling like we're discerning towards something. Um, we have this very large group of women at Church of the Resurrection who are, are, um, becoming daughters of the King this year. And like, they're discerning that. And like, I, I think about them like this something God spoke on their hearts and said, I need to think about this. Now, some of them are not going to do it and that's okay. And some of them are, and I, I, it just kind of makes me smile on Sunday mornings when I look in that room and I'm not teaching them. It's not an organization I'm a part of in any way, shape, or form, only to support them. But I, I think that seeking my face is such beautiful language, um, but also is difficult because we can't, like, really have an image of what God is, Right. I think we've talked about this before. Sometimes I think of God as like these two big hands, you know, like just sitting there, like 
come into my hands. Let, let me help you rest in me. But God is so much bigger than anything we can understand. So seek my face, your, your face, Lord, will I seek. That's kind of gets difficult sometimes because we don't know what that looks like, but we can see that in the other people. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts on any yeah. of that? Well, I mean, some of my thoughts are like for the Hebrew people, seeing the face of God was something that was not possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you think about Moses, Abraham, you know, the people that walked with God, there was the idea that like his face was God's face was hidden. Right. And does God have a face, right? This personifies God as a human being. That's a whole nother topic, but, but the seeking bit, um, right. To seek after God. And to me, it has me thinking what you alluded to at the end, seeking God in the other, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I can't see God. God's not a, a thing to be seen necessarily, but I can see God in others. Right. Yeah. Like when I, and to seek that, I mean, what do we say in the baptismal covenant? We seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. That right. doesn't mean will you recognize, right? Will I just like stumble upon someone and, oh, yeah, there's Christ that lives in them. But will you seek it? Like that's an active thing. It's not just will you notice. It's not just will you glance, but it's an active pursuit. Will you seek like we yeah. actively look to see God in the face of others. Um, exactly. And that goes back to the great commandments of love God and love your neighbor. And, you know, how do we do that? And this upcoming Sunday, we have um, the Beatitudes, basically. Blessed are the poor. Is that the Beatitudes? Yeah. Um, but that's what I thought. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, but, but, you know, thinking about that, how do we seek those other people? So all the way back in Hebrews, God is telling us this, right? This isn't a, just a Jesus thing. This has been in the Hebrew Bible. This has been going on forever and ever and ever. Um I want to fit, go down to verse 13, because I think this kind of, again, encompasses what we're talking about. You've been my helper. Cast me not away. Do not forsake me, O God, my salvation. So we we begin the psalm with salvation, and we end the psalm with salvation. And, then, of course, there's a lot of beautiful in between. But also that idea of you've been my helper, God, but also like, how do we go and be the helper, you know, and what the Hebrew people must have been thinking during this time, like they were in, you know, the no man's land, they were in, like, just desperately looking for God in some way, shape or form, and to know they had this helper, and then how do we become those helpers? Yeah. So... Yeah, it's a, it's, um, there's a lot to behold in this, but I think what happens so often, maybe it doesn't for other people, but it does for me is, you know, we sing these psalms on Sunday morning or we read these psalms on Sunday morning, but are we like really like taking them in, you know, or is it about the singing, singing a beautiful note to the Lord? Is it about understanding them? I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'm zoned out too, you know. Um, I, I wish I had like more, I want to spend more time thinking about what these Psalms can do 
for me as a Christian, as a believer, but also like how I can help other people with these songs and not just like, like try to, I don't know where I'm going with that, but like, I, I want us to feel more ingrained in these, I guess. Yeah. And I'm hoping this time on Bible love will help us with that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, in, you know, we, we chant the Psalm. We use the same Psalm setting because like chanting, singing Psalms can be awkward because like, am I going to break at the right place? Am I going to emphasize, right? There's all that that goes into it. I, nobody wants to hear me chant, but like, right. Me either. Right. And, but I do it and I sound like a stuck pig, I'm sure, but it's a way to set these apart as something different. I'm really looking forward. We're going to have, um, Mark Audrey Graves. Yes. Who Sarah Audrey Graves, who we've had before. Her husband is um, an organist and a uh, theologian. Music, and and music director. Yeah. Has and so we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I think then, like, I'm looking forward to talking about, like, why do we set these apart as something different? But for me, I mean, it just changes how we hear things, right? Like, musically, it changes things. And for me, the psalm and the readings are typically right before I stand up to preach. So it's also the last chance for me to hear someone else say this. Oh yeah. Right? It's, the first time, it's the first time all week that it's not been me saying it in my head. And so there's oftentimes I, I hear, you know, someone read from the lectern or the congregation chant. And I'm like, Oh, that's literally the first time I heard that phrase that way. Mm-hmm. Then do, does that devolve into me quickly rewriting part of my sermon? Maybe. Mm. Um, oh, you're us, better than I am. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> but for us as preachers, right? Like we hear these scriptures throughout the week, hopefully, but it's the voice inside of right. our head as we read them. Right. It's something else entirely to hear someone else read them. Um, and I'm so glad you brought that up, Alan. I think that is so important. Like, I think. I have a, a really nice group of people that like to read um, in church and some of them are amazing readers and some of them are not amazing readers, but, and it does not matter one bit because this is their ministry and it's their, and we need to hear this from lots of different voices. And like, I, I think I have never really thought about that. Like what a great, example you just said of like we are saying these in our our head all week long trying to write our sermons but maybe I should just start calling you on Monday and like would you read the gospel to me and I'll read the gospel to you or whatever it is just because that different voice makes such a difference it really does um you know in my congregation I think about like I have um um 90 something year old man who reads and he just has such a distinct voice and to hear that voice that and then I've got you know a 20 something young woman that reads and to hear from that you've got people with accents my gospel the gospel is proclaimed every week by um an African deacon and so to hear that and and part of that is is struggling to understand accents right right we hear things differently um, and it, it uses different parts of our brains when it's not just someone speaking Texan to me, but when we have to actually listen intently, um, to, to hear through an accent, maybe, uh, but just the diversity of voices that we hear from and the Psalm when it's chanted, the cacophony of voices, right? People that can sing well, people that sing like me, 
we're all together and and we hear it in different ways and and right like that so what scripture was intended to do um yeah. you know paul didn't write these things down thinking that 2000 years later we'd be all reading it on our phones parsing out his grammar and all of that it was meant to be read aloud to a congregation the psalms yeah. were meant to be read devotionally um, yeah the other thing you know to switch subjects real quick the other thing you talked about like how do we allow the psalms to shape us right mm-hmm. like if you you know if you do morning prayer if you do the office like there's a 30-day psalm cycle where once a month you're going to read through all the psalms that's a lot right because you got to get through you know psalm 118 whichever one is the super long one um but but the Book of Common Prayer, I mean, there's a structure to get through the Psalms in 30 days. Imagine if we, I don't do that, but imagine how that can change you. Because you you go think from my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then a day or two later, the Lord is my light, my salvation, of whom then shall I fear? So in the matter mm-hmm. of a couple of days, you have the whole range of God, you've abandoned me and I'm a worm and no man, like all these things. But then almost in the same breath, you're saying, of whom then shall I fear? Yeah, in the same breath. They move right in together. Well, wow, our time goes by so fast. Um, Also, my phone is blowing up because a scam text just got sent out from my, you know. So I got to go tell all these people. Here's the PSA, folks at Redeemer. Yeah. Folks at St. Martin's, yeah. I am not going to text you that I'm in a meeting and I need a gift card. Mary Balfour is not going to text you that she's deep in prayer and can't call and needs a gift card or cat, right? Like, yeah. We it's not, it's not us. Much. I'm sure you do. It's not us. And especially if it's not from our number or from our email, it's definitely yeah. not us. Or if it's bad grammar, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, this one we both um, know how to write and communicate. <laughs> right. This one says, okay, so just because we're on it, this one says, um, this is Rector Mary Balfour Dunlap. I urgently need uh, a favor from me. Kindly reply to my text as soon as possible. I have never in my life referred to myself as Rector Mary Balfour Dunlap. So that's not me. Not me. Rector Mary Balfour. Not me. Nope, nope, nope. Not me. So anyway, listeners, remember that we love you. Um, but most importantly, God does spend some time in the Psalms this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.